So 2 Corinthians chapter 8, verse 16. But thanks be to God who put into the heart of Titus the same earnest care I have for you. For he not only accepted our appeal, but being himself very earnest, he is going to you of his own accord. With him, we are sending the brother who is famous among all the churches for his preaching of the gospel. And not only that, but he has been appointed by the churches to travel with us as we carry out this act of grace that is being ministered by us for the glory of God, him, of the Lord himself and to show our goodwill. We take this course so that no one should blame us about this generous gift that is being administered to us. For we aim at what is honourable, not only in the Lord's sight, but also in the sight of man. And with them we are sending our brother, whom we have often tested and found earnest in many matters, but who is now more earnest than ever because of his great confidence in you. As for Titus, he is my partner and fellow worker for your benefit. And as for our brother, they are messengers of the churches, the glory of Christ. So give proof before the churches of your love and of our boasting about you to these men. Now it is superfluous for me to write to you about the ministry for the saints, for I know your readiness, of which I boast about you to the people of Macedonia, saying that Achaia has been ready since last year, and your zeal has stirred up most of them. But I am sending the brothers so that our boasting about you may not prove empty in this matter, so that you may be ready, as I said you would be. Otherwise, if some Macedonians come with me and find that you're not ready, we would be humiliated to say nothing of you for being so confident. So I thought it necessary to urge the brothers to go on ahead to you and arrange in advance for the gift you have promised, so that it may be ready as a willing gift, not as an exaction. The point is this, whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly, and whoever sows bountifully will also reap bountifully. Each one must give as he has decided in his heart, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. And God is able to make all grace abound to you, so that having all sufficiency in all things at all times, you may abound in every good work. As it's written, he is distributed freely, he is given to the poor, his righteousness endures forever. He who supplies seed to the sower and bread for food will supply and multiply your seed for sowing and increase the harvest of your righteousness. You will be enriched in every way to be generous in every way, which through us will produce thanksgiving to God. For the ministry of this service is not only supplying the needs of the saints, but it's also overflowing in many thanksgivings to God. By their approval of this service, they will glorify God because of your submission that comes from your confession of the gospel of Christ and the generosity of your contribution for them and for all others, while they long for you and pray for you because of the surpassing grace of God upon you. Thanks be to God for his inexpressible gift. Anna, thanks very much uh, for reading the passage for us. Uh, do keep the Bibles open and there's a handout there on your table for you to follow along. I just will say that if you've been following us in our series before, we've been looking in the letter of 2 Corinthians. And we said that the explicit aim of our series, series is to persuade each and every one of us here to, to reorient your lives around the gospel. And again, if you're joining us for the first time, that is our aim, uh, to encourage each and every one of you uh, to have your lives, your decisions, how you spend your time, your money, reoriented around the gospel. 
Um, in the previous few weeks, we've been talking about what gospel work is, the significance of it. And next week, we'll be going on to a different topic, the topic about leadership, how we think about leadership, which is, I think is very relevant for many of us here. Uh, but for last week and this week, uh, we are going to speak about Britain's favorite conversation topic, money, uh, money. And it's a bit tongue-in-cheek, and there are good reasons not to talk about money. In one sense, uh, you don't want to be boasting about your money. It's a bit of a show-off if you do, and it's quite intrusive. It's quite personal. But that being said, uh, there are real disadvantages, or maybe even disastrous, to never talk about money. Because whether we realize it or not, uh, we are always, always trained to think how to spend the money. You have marketing departments and different companies uh, being paid to tell you how to spend your money. Or the conversations you have with your colleagues or your peers about what's the next thing that you're going to spend on. Uh, those are all conversations to train you to think about money. And so uh, that's our question for today. Why? Uh, why should we use our money for gospel for work? Especially when you spend hours in the office or slogging away or doing the job, whatever you do. Uh, why should you use your money to give the gospel work. And it's especially significant because we're following the news as of an hour, sorry, our 20 minutes ago at 12 p.m., uh, the Bank of England announced rates are going up instead of 0.25%, 0.5%. And so if you have a home mortgage, uh, your, your mortgage is going to go up. And again, let me be really upfront. If you're not a Christian, I want to say quite explicitly, we don't want your money. It's not personal against you. It's nothing about you. And the reasons why will be made clear later in the talk. But my hope for you is to recognize that the reason for Christian giving is totally different from the rest of the world. And perhaps for those of us who would call ourselves Christians, and maybe you're already giving to your church, uh, I think we all recognize that uh, giving money away, well, it's, it's quite hard. It's quite a hard topic to deal with. Because for many of us, money is a security blanket. Um, when you give away, it feels like it's creating more risk to yourself. And so why? Uh, why give to gospel work? And again, how much to give if we give? And so as we turn to God's word today, uh, we will see that God thinks that how we use our money, it really matters. It really matters how we think about money. And it's closely linked to our understanding of the gospel. Uh, so let's see what God is saying to us today. Again, if you were here last week, uh, Mark spoke to us uh, from the previous chapter, and he very helpfully gave us a sense of the Corinthian church. Uh, go back 2,000 years ago, uh, the tagline to understand the city of Corinth is always great, always wealthy, a bit like 21st century London. Uh, but there's this collection that was going on. Uh, Paul, he was traveling the Mediterranean to collect money from different Gentile churches. And this collection was really significant, not only for its material significance, but also its theological significance. Uh, many of us here um, would not be Jews, but you need to understand back in the first century, there was a real tension between the Jews and the Gentiles. And during that point of time, there was a real famine in Jerusalem. And so Paul, what did he do? He went around to different Gentile cities, collecting money for the church in Jerusalem. And hence it's called the Jerusalem Collection. But you see this collection, it not only provided for the material needs for the church in Jerusalem, but it's also a sign of showing spiritual unity between the people of God. If the Gentiles gave to the Jews and the Jews accepted the money, 
uh, that would show that they are one people of God. So it's not only materially significant, it's also theologically significant. And so for Paul, it's really important uh, that this church, the Corinthian church, they give to this collection. And the Corinthian church, uh, when Paul first told them about it, they were all very keen to say, oh, we will give. We promise we will pledge to give to this collection. But over time, uh, the Corinthian church started to backtrack on their words. And so Paul, in this letter, he explains to them why it is important, why it is right to give. And as we understand why it's right for them to give, uh, we will understand why it's right for us today to give. And so you're following the handout. We are on our first point. Uh, look at the handout. Giving. Uh, the act of giving, it's a visible act of backing the gospel. It's a physical sign that you back the gospel. Uh, look at verse 19 of our passage today. I need a Bible. <laughs> Sorry. Thank you. I look at verse 19. And not only that, but he is appointed by the churches to travel with us to carry out this act of grace that is being ministered by us for the glory of God himself to show our goodwill. Look down to verse 24. So give proof before the churches of your love of our boasting about you to this man. And lastly, look to chapter 9, verse 3. But I'm sending the brothers so that our boasting about you may not prove empty in this matter. And you see Paul's point. Uh, the moment you take your bank notes out of your pocket and you put it in the collection jar, or the moment you click confirm in your bank transfer and the money leaves your bank account, uh, that is proof. Uh, that is proof. Or proof of what? Well, first it's proof for the Corinthian church uh, that they would keep their promise to give because they said we will give. And if they, when they do actually give, uh, that is proof of their intentions. But it's also proof that they are on uh, Paul's side. They are partnering with him in his mission. But more than just partnering with Paul, they are proving what, that they are backing what Paul represents. Uh, Paul, he is the apostle to the Gentiles. He is the ambassador of the new covenant. Uh, giving money to him shows that they are backing his ministry. And lastly, they prove that they care about the gospel and they love God's people. Remember, this collection is so significant. Uh, and when they give, and the, Jew, the, the, people, the Jews in Jerusalem, they accept the gift. It shows that they are the people of God. And giving to that signifies uh, that you're backing that work. And so the act of giving, the physical act of giving, shows that you back gospel work. The next thing that Paul goes on to say is that act of giving, well, it really counts. It is the act of giving and not just the intention. I look at verse 5 of our passage today. Verse 5. So I thought it necessary to urge the brothers to go on ahead to you to arrange in advance for the gift you have promised so that it may be ready as a willing gift, not as an exaction. You see, they promised that they would give, but they, until they actually gave, uh, there would be nothing visible to prove of it. I'm sure we've seen lots of uh, different companies and have lots of uh, promotion about their net zero agenda and all their green agenda. You have CSR uh, departments promoting that my company is uh, heading towards net zero. But the real proof in the pudding is in the balance sheet. How much money do they actually spend on these courses? How much are they willing to take a loss uh, to promote this net zero agenda? You see, the proof of the pudding uh, is in the eating. It is when you actually take the cost on your balance sheet. 
Uh, you got to put your money where your mouth is. So not just the desire, not just the intention, but the act of giving. It is the visible act that you are backing the gospel. Well, what does it mean for us here, 2,000 years later? Well, firstly, well, giving is a sign that you actually back gospel work. And that's why if you're not a Christian today, uh, we don't want your money, uh, because I don't expect you to, to back the work of the gospel. And so please don't feel pressured in any way to give. But if you are a Christian, it is right to give the gospel work. The act of giving, it's a tangible way of backing the gospel. Uh, the moment the, the pounds, they leave your bank account, that is a visible sign of an invisible grace that has been working in you. It's a visible sign that you back the gospel. And so it's right to give. And if you've not started giving, if you're a Christian, do give to your local church. Right? Give to the ministries that support the advance of the gospel. But it's also true that no one apart from us will encourage you to give to the work here. So if you benefit from the encouragement here, uh, from the teaching, and also that you trust that we are engaging in gospel work, back this ministry here by giving. By giving, it's a visible sign that you back gospel work. But secondly as well, um, having intentions to give, but not actually giving, um, is not enough. Uh, you need to give. Right? Intentions are great, but they need to be followed up by action. And that's Paul's point to the church. Uh, you promised, you've pledged, now give. And speaking personally, I'm often quite guilty. I hear someone speaking about giving, and I'm like thinking, okay, I agree with what you're saying. I think I need to review my finances. I think it's time for me to check. And I have all these intentions, and then I procrastinate, and I, you know, I forget about it, and even, eventually I don't give. See, the intentions are great, but it's the actual act of giving that really, really counts. So why give? Well, because giving, well, it's a visible act that you're backing gospel work. But there's one reason why Paul gives us to encourage us to give. And to me, this reason is totally surprising. Okay? It's totally unexpected on multiple levels. I think back uh, to the corporate world. Uh, what is the logic of why you give? Well, you give to get. Right? You give, you put X amount of money into an investment port. And then sort of five, 10 years from now, you expect um, X percentage of returns um, when, uh, of the money that you give. So you give in order to, to get. And what's the surprise here? Well, Paul, he, he pretty much agrees uh, with that mindset. Uh, you give so that you will receive. And so we're on our second point on the handout. Give so that you will receive. Look at chapter 9, verse 6. The point is this. Whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly. Whoever sows bountifully will also reap bountifully. You notice what Paul's saying? It's fascinating. He basically agrees with what the general world thinks, um, although he uses agricultural terms. At his point, if you invest little, you get little returns. If you invest much, you get much returns. That's surprising on a number of levels. Firstly, it's a very simple concept, and that's how we think. Uh, you sow and you reap, and you give to get. But it's also surprising because that's not how we think about the gospel. When we give to church or you give to gospel work, we don't think that we are receiving. I don't think so. It feels like when we're giving away, uh, we, it's at a loss to us, I suppose, that we'll receive something. Yet Paul says, uh, you reap what you sow. And so the key question is this, what ex exactly 
do we reap? Uh, what will we receive? But before he tells us what we receive, uh, he tells us how much to give, how much to give. And how much to give? Well, the answer is cheerfully. I look at verse 7. Each one must give as he has decided in his heart, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. How much to give? Or cheerfully? Well, giving is a matter of the heart, not with reluctance or compulsion, but with a smile on your face. And again, if you're considering to give to church or to the work here, the numbers that's on the sheet is just indicative. More importantly, is to give with a smile on your face. And as you give, you will receive. When you sow, you will reap. And that brings us back to the question, what will we receive when we give? Uh, can I encourage us to take a finger uh, to cover the second line of verse 11? Now, if you see verse 11 there, I cover the second line. I know you really know what it says because you, know, you can see it, but cover the second line. And let me read out the first line. And uh, let's think about what you expect Paul to say. So verse 11, you will be enriched in every way to, to what? Uh, what do you expect Paul to say? You'll be enriched in every way to uh, go for your dream holiday or buy your dream uh, mansion. Well, he doesn't say that. Now look at what he says. You'll be enriched in every way to be, be generous, to be generous in every way. And so Paul is saying, you give in order to give more. So striking. It's so remarkable. You give so that you can give more. It's remarkably different from the corporate world, right? You give in order to get. But here you give so that you get in order for you to give even more. Uh, it's remarkable. I look at verse 10, eh? that makes the same point. He who supplies seed to the sower and bread for food will supply and multiply your seed for sowing. God himself, he will multiply your seed for giving. Uh, but there's one more reason why he encourages us to give, um, which is the harvest of righteousness. Look at verse 10 again. He who supplies seed to the sower and bread for food will supply and multiply your seed for sowing and increase your harvest of your righteousness. Uh, I'm not sure how many of you watched uh, Clarkson's Farm on Amazon Prime. Um, I did. It's really funny. Um, and the thing to realize is Clarkson's from Jeremy Clarkson. Um, he, um, he gives us an insight about farming on, the, on this eighth episode of season one. It's harvest time. That was the title of the season. And you need to imagine it's harvest time. Uh, he's got these big harvesting tractors that's churning up all the crops from the ground. And these tractors are pouring this huge overflow of crops into these transportation trucks. Uh, that's harvest time. And the picture there is a bit... Um, similar to the picture that Paul was giving us here. It is an abundant harvest. But it's a harvest not of crops, but of righteousness. It is a harvest of righteousness. Well, in this harvest of righteousness, what does it refer to? What does it actually mean? Well, it's a metaphor for describing an overflowing stream of praise and thanksgiving to God. Look at verse 11. You'll be enriched in every way, to be generous in every way, which through us will produce thanksgiving to God. For the ministry of this service is not only supplying the needs of the saints, but more than that, it is overflowing in many thanks to God. By the approval of this service, they will glorify God. Do you see what you're saying? Instead of, of crops pouring out of the harvesting machine into all these big container trucks, it is thanksgiving 
overflowing, abundant thanksgiving, pouring out for thanks to God for their generosity. So that's what we receive, an overflowing of thanks to God for your generosity. So why should we give to the work of the gospel? Well, firstly, it's a, it's a visible sign that you back the gospel work. But secondly, when you give, uh, you receive more to give even more. But more than that, when you give, there will be a great harvest, a harvest of righteousness, thanksgiving all around the world. You see, it's, it's remarkable how Paul here is training us to think about giving. You know, when you go back to your office, you'd be trained to think about giving in a different way. But here, Paul is training us how to think about giving. In the corporate world, you give to get for your own benefit. In the prosperity gospel uh, of teachers such as Joseph Prince or, or Joe Austin, you give in order to get. Now, this is also for your own benefit. But the problem with all of that is Paul. A Paul is their problem. Because he says you give in order to get so that you can give even more. And what you receive is a harvest of righteousness. And if we're really honest, I think we all struggle with this topic of giving. And, and I, I know I, I do too as well. In many ways, this talk was really hard to write because it's not an easy topic to think about. And I think we, we don't like giving because we don't believe what Paul is actually saying here. We don't believe that we will receive uh, we don't like giving because it provides us a cushion, a cushion, a cushion that when times get really tough, provides us a comfort um, cushion for us to lean on. Uh, when things get really hard, the thicker the cushion, the more comfortable and secure it is. And again, don't hear me wrong. There's nothing wrong with saving and it's right to provide for your family. But it's the mindset that our effort earns us our money and it's our money that gives us security. And that we are self-sufficient. But this is profoundly unchristian. See, giving to the gospel is a Christian thing to do. It's because it embraces the values of the gospel. It is a recognizing that Jesus has been raised from the dead. God is the giver of life. He's the one who sustains us. And so when you give, you recognize that God is the giver of life. Those who don't give do not embrace the values of the gospel. And so if you don't give, we are shortchanging ourselves. Verse 6, whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly. And arguably, this might be the very worst time to speak about giving. As we, you might have been reading the news, um, yesterday it said, warning, um, homeowners face a 20% drop in disposable income due to mortgage rates. And again, uh, just at 12, uh, the Bank of England announced a rate increase of 0.5%. And the general wisdom is that you want to encourage people in giving during, during bonus season, right? When people have the money. That's when you encourage people to give. The truth is, uh, we didn't plan for rates uh, to rise today. Uh, we planned to speak on 2 Corinthians 9 like months ago. And so maybe this is the worst time to speak about giving. But we might say this as well, it's the best time to speak about giving. Because that is God's word for us today. It is an occasion to embrace the values of the new covenant to recognize that God will indeed increase the harvest of righteousness and supply us all we need. And so can I encourage you uh, to give if you're not giving to your local church or to review your giving? Um, are you sowing sparingly? And it's true that there are a myriad of ways to get behind gospel work. Uh, some of us, like myself, will be uh, full-time paid capacity, so much of my time is given to, the, to sort of teaching the Bible here. But most of us here will be working 
and giving money away uh, to support the work of the gospel. And so if you're in the latter category, I can encourage you to commit to give to the work of the gospel. I don't allow your spending to increase like your peers or your colleagues. I give to the work of the gospel. I give to your local church and also give to the ministry here. I back the work of the gospel in Covent Garden and that would increase the harvest of righteousness. Well, why don't I pray? And uh, we we'll spend some time chatting about this in groups. Paul says, thanks be to God for his inexpressible gift. Our Father, we give you great thanks for your gift in the Lord Jesus, that though he was rich, yet for our sake he became poor. And so we do praise you for life that we have in his name. And we do pray that we might really trust that you are a God who gives life and that when we sow bountifully, we will also reap bountifully. And we ask this for your, for your honour and for your glory. Amen.